and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. All right, uh, this has already been a tough week, um, a heavy week. And I know, trust me, I know that people um, like sports and feel like sports are their escape. They're supposed to be their escape. But we can't turn our back on some things, and we can't pick and choose when we care about the humans who provide us with that escape. And for me, it goes back to my childhood. When I lost my brother, my hero, at 16 years old, I had no idea where I was going to turn. Like, I was scared. I felt like nobody understood. So the thing that I turned to was the thing that I knew best, sports, as my outlet, my refuge. And I I can't even begin to imagine if instead of the wonderful coaches and teachers and friends and family that I received, there was a predator laying in the wait. I have no idea where I would be now. Like, I struggled for years, years. And if my experience was anything like Kyle Beach's, I know I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I don't even know if I would be here, period. Instead, I understand how great sports can be. It's why I do this job. Because I realized that I wanted to stay as close as I possibly could to something that had had such a profound effect on myself and my family. So every once in a while, we have to fight to protect that. We have to protect that for as many people as humanly possible, no matter how uncomfortable. Because in the end, it can help one or two or 20 or thousands of folks like me or you. And that helps the collective, society as a whole, when more people are given a fighting chance in life. And that's all any one of us can ask for is a chance. And that's all Kyle Beach wanted, a chance to live out his dream. And that's why so many people are mad right now. I don't want to jump in here like the vice president of common sense, but if you're wondering what the last couple of days are about, they're about accountability. It's about making it better. It's about learning from mistakes to be better. Yes, yes, good people make mistakes. Better people learn from those mistakes. And most folks are just sick and tired of hearing one thing and seeing a complete other. Rich and powerful, shouting integrity from the mountaintops, and then knowing something completely different is happening behind closed doors in meetings when it's uncomfortable or embarrassing or somehow amazingly, especially uncomfortable, when it comes to protecting their money. People want to know that if their child, their sister, their mother or brother were in the same spot, somebody, anyone, would look out for them. We keep hearing about change and transformations and newfound culture until it fails us again. Accountability is a fancy way of saying, keep your word. Don't just say the right thing. Do the right thing. And right now in society, it's not happening near enough. So Joel Quenville meets with Gary Bettman today. We're hearing there's no resolution upcoming. And the NHL and beyond 
wrestles with how to deal with things moving forward. The lesson remains. Be better. Do better. Treat people the way you would want your loved ones treated. And admitting to mistakes isn't a weakness. It's a strength. And I wish more people thought of it that way in the last couple months, years, probably days. Imagine how powerful it would have been if more folks just came out and said, we made a terrible mistake and we'll work our ass off to make it better. All right, we're going to talk plenty of sports today and we're going to have some fun along the way. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the Leafs just saved their season. Okay, maybe not. But it was a start last night. The Oilers, Flyers, they go toe-to-toe. The Astros even up the series. One game apiece. Make me look pretty smart, SMRT. And I really think that the Lakers are in trouble. In fact, a couple days ago, I said, I don't think the Nets and Lakers are winning this year. And last night, both of them lost. Going to talk all that sports. My old friends, Kenny the Jet Smith, Donovan Bennett, Nick Kiprios, the good-looking Ryan Leslie, John Fa, all dropping by the show today. And Kevin Mickey is already back in the saddle as our digital producer for Jesse Rubinoff, who is getting married in about an hour and a half. Can you, can you top that, Mickey? <laughs> our guy is off getting married. You're off getting married in an hour and a half. <laughs> yes. And he worked yesterday. And he worked yesterday. That's an impressive feat. Those are some uh, big shoes to fill, my friend. Uh, big shoes. Oh, yeah. I remember the last time you brought a big shoe in here. Oh, I don't. <laughs> it ended up with a couple of NFL picks that went wayward. But you will get another chance tomorrow, my friend. Uh, all right. As always, uh, we make the festivities official with first things first. So what's the deal, Harry Neal? First things first. Bob Cole, Harry Neal, my favorite Hockey Night in Canada tandem of all time. Nice. Love them. Me too, uh, I think. Yeah, let's yeah. go with that. Speaking of hockey, uh, lots of attention on those Leafs' woes these last few days. Yes. But after last night, maybe not so much running with their woes. Let's start with the buds, Timmy. Toronto and Chicago Wednesday. They were taking on a depleted Blackhawks squad. Perfect time for a bounce back. Uh, they were falling behind 2-0. Hang on, though. John Tavares scores. Austin Matthews, he gets mad. David Kampf, he gets even, which is evening the score. And all of a sudden, we're tied, heading to OT, where it was the Leafs' best player this season. Their best player, sealing this thing with two big points. Up ahead to Nylander, a breakaway, he's in a goal! Scores! Holy Mackinac, Willie Nylander wins it in overtime on a breakaway. And is this a turning point and something the Leafs can build on? Brilliant question, Jim Ralph. Brilliant question. (laughs) So brilliant, in fact, I thought that I would bring it to Tim and friends myself. Tim, I ask you this. Is this something the Maple Leafs can build on? I, uh, I knew that the Leafs were going to be down 2 nothing when I saw the stat pop up on the screen that Chicago hadn't led all season. Yep. <laughs> when you saw Chicago hadn't led all season, all of a sudden it's 2 nothing, Chicago. Uh, the Leafs saved their season with a overtime win against a winless Chicago mm-hmm. Blackhawks team. I'm not buying that narrative today. Um, they bought some leeway. Yes, to answer your question properly, they bought something to build on. The big boys did something on the ice. Marner 
probably best game of the year. You look good. Yeah. Tavares scores. Love backhand mm. top shelf. shelf. Nylander scores. Matthews with an assist. He's got two whole points on the season. But also some emotion. And I think that's what Leaf fans wanted to see. Like, they're not going to run you through the boards. That's not this team. But act like you care. Yeah. Not more than the fans, because I don't know if you can. <laughs> but act like you care. Like, act like you want to be there. Act like you're going to fight for this. Is that too much to ask? Leaf fans have been dying for this because every single time they've taken the ice this season, it always starts with this team looks listless. Yeah. It doesn't look like they want to be there. Mitch Marner in particular, fans been picking on, saying, is he even trying? There's no crisp passes out of the zone. There's no crisp chip. Just off the boards and out. That's all we're looking for here, boys. Get mm-hmm. a rush going. Last night, like you said, something to build on. They needed a lot of Jack Campbell in order to get something to build on. Jack Campbell making some massive, massive yeah, saves in the process. He was good. So how often should you rely on Jack Campbell to keep you in games? How often is it appropriate to rely well, on Jack Well, the big Campbell? boy's got to get going, right? Like, here's the deal in the modern NHL. What keeps happening to decent teams growing up, and I'm not talking about championship teams because the Leafs haven't won around. But decent teams growing up, teams that draft well, they lose pieces that are significant. And the Leafs, despite their core four and Morgan Riley, have lost significant pieces. And you've got to figure out ways to replace them. And the Leafs have done it with the wily veteran who makes a million dollars a year. They've tried to do it with guys with some jam. They've tried to do it with some quality guys looking for a second chance and have had a couple of down years. That's not the way that we have done it for years in the NHL. You need a good, solid team that rolls lines at you. And the Leafs are going to have to figure that out or have their big boys bail them out by running you out of the arena with their skill. And they've done neither Mm -hmm. thus far this year. Last night you saw a little bit of leaning on a guy who's not making a ton of money in Jack Campbell, and they paid Peter Morazic more. He just hasn't been able to play because of injury. But... If you're a Leaf fan, you need one of the two, right? That Those surrounding players, the supporting cast, or the big boys. They've gotten nothing until last night. The big boys finally showed up, and you saw a little bit of emotion. Like yeah. That, to me, was just as important as, like, you know Matthews isn't going to finish the year with 13 goals, right? Like, the guy is, if you had to talk to most people, 50 was easy, maybe yeah. even 60. And... You saw him get a little fired up at referees. You saw him yelling down the bench. You saw him chirping a fan. Woo! Ric Flair. Right? He's Styling and profiling. Doing a little Ric Flair over the glass. And I think Leaf fans were like, yeah. Yeah, we need more of that. I don't know if those are those those guys. I don't know if that's that team. Like, it's, it's happened a couple times now where the Leafs and Raptors have played on the same night. And I flip over to the Raptors and I see way more fight. Mm. They don't have the same kind of talent that the Leafs have, but they have way more fight. There's way more of an established culture in that room. Are the, are the Raptors not more fun to watch than the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're a fan? When you're tuning into a Leaf game right now, it's almost like the feeling of inevitability, where, like, when are they going to let me down? Tune into a Raptors game, oh, this seems like a team that is having fun. They're on the rise. They're learning. I enjoy every single personality. I haven't been let down by this team lately, at least. So it's nice to tune in and have the feeling that 
I don't need to feel like this team is about to lose. But they look like they're going to fight and scratch and claw even though they're down 20. Mm. You saw that against the Chicago Bulls, yep. right? They look like they are going to work their ass off every time they hit the floor. Like, there's no questioning what Fred Van Vliet is, right? Like, All you stars. know what you're going to get from Fred yep. Van Vliet. Even when he's struggling, he'll somehow make an impact on the game, whether it's 15 assists or scoring, like he did last night Defending in the Raptors' too. win. And you know you're going to get a guy reaching in, trying to rebound, like doing everything that he possibly can. Even Scotty Barnes at this point. Like you're five games there, into the season. Yeah. Yeah. You watch him and you know he's going to smile, he's going to laugh, he's going to have fun, and he's going to work his ass off, right? Isn't He's going to work his ass off. And second, you see, you see a, a, some proof of proving naysayers wrong immediately, which is – so satisfying for Raptors fans to watch after everyone said, why did they take Scotty Barnes? Oh, oh, You're oh, looking at hold, it. Hold on Five games into the season. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Raptor fans were saying, why did you take Scotty Barnes? I know they got their cues from experts, but I was sitting here the next day. It was Raptor fans okay. that were irate. There were a lot of followers on Twitter. There were a lot of people who said, why the hell would you take Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs? The vast majority of people were saying, why did you take Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs? And Raptor fans, I'll ask you right now, he's coming to town on Friday. You still want Jalen Suggs? Mm. Here's a better way to put that then, or perhaps a different way. People were ready to doubt Masai Ujiri and co. Finally, why are we taking Scotty Barnes when Jalen Suggs is available? Now they can say, all right, maybe it's time to finally just... Every time Masai Ujiri and Co. does something, take a step back for a moment and let's evaluate not in a vacuum, but in space. Okay, but this isn't the first time. I like, know it's not the first time. This but could every, be the worst. Everyone, re- everyone keeps waiting for it to happen. This could be the worst reaction of all reactions. Raptor fans to draft picks. Mm. They've been hurt before. Like not lately, but Delano Banton might be better than Jalen Suggs. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding here. I think. But he might be the steal of the draft, and yet Raptor fans have the nerve to get mad at management for Barnes over Suggs because they watched nine Gonzaga games one year. Hmm. Like, maybe the guy who went and got Pascal Siakam, maybe the culture that has created some very good draft picks in the past. And listen, it's not complete 100% knock it out of the park. Bruno Caboclo was taken by this team. Malachi Flynn, though late in the first round, looked like he was going to be a rotation player last year. Many of you fans thought he was going. They're calling him Fred Van Vliet 2.0. And now he's not even a part of the rotation. Like, it's not 100%. But I think that they've earned a little bit of leeway when it comes to making selections in the draft. And so far, would you not say that a lot of those people who were booing like, if we polled them right now, we went out on Twitter right now and said, hey, if you were one of those people that were upset with the Scotty Barnes pick, how you feeling right now? What do you think you'd get back? 95% positive. <laughs> and the 5% who are ticked off yeah. are just being ticked off for the sake of being They don't want to give up on it? Yeah. They don't want to give up on it? Like, listen, I'm not saying Jalen Suggs isn't going to be better than Scotty Barnes. Just like the day after, I wasn't saying that Scotty Barnes was going to be better than Jalen Suggs. I was just saying, 
like maybe management knows a little bit more about the players that they're selecting than so-called experts and people reacting to what they read from the so-called experts. Not saying Suggs is going to be better, but you are saying, or you're not saying that uh, Scotty Barnes is going to be better than Suggs. But Delano Banton is going to be better than Suggs. Is that, is that, is that hey, what I gathered? Listen, right now, Suggs is shooting 28% from the floor. And I know what's going to happen. Friday, Orlando comes to town. Yeah. Suggs is having a great game, and everyone's going to bring this back to me. Yeah. But look, like, Delano looks like he's real. Yeah. Like, he – and when he when he first was selected, when they, when they first brought him in, it was like – Oh, he's a Toronto guy. Yeah. This will be fun. Oh, nice hometown uh, story. Yeah, maybe yeah. he can develop in the G League and 905 has, you know, a local boy play him. Dude is playing real minutes in the NBA and showing things that I don't know that a lot of people thought they were going to get from him. So right now, Raptors management, five games in, short sample size, understood. Yeah. Are hitting 100 on two picks, right? Mm-hmm. This year, hitting two uh, – Just give some patience next time around when you're going to uh, determine what you think is the franchise player of the uh, 2022, 2023, 2024 NBA draft. We have... A lot more basketball to get to later in the show. We've got several guests to join us and chat hoops. Uh, Kenny the Jet Smith included. That's right. And our friend Donovan Bennett will be in studio to chat some more hoops as well. Uh, But speaking of success, the Edmonton Oilers, they've had quite a bit of success this season. They dropped their first game of the year last year, though. He he always is. It's always fun when I join Timmy. Uh, they lost, the Oilers, that is, lost 5-3 to the Flyers. They were tied heading into the third. Cam Atkinson scored. Empty netter from Sean Couturier. Jam done. Game over. First L of the season. Connor McDavid, not sure if you've heard this, remains incredible. Another two points to begin the season. He's now got six consecutive multi-point games. And, oh, by the way, Leaf fans, uh, Zach Hyman, he scored again. It's looking like the Pacific Division, Tim, is going to run through Alberta. And that's not just Edmonton. Oh, Calgary. I love the Calgary story. And Ryan Leslie's going to pop by a little later on. I think, uh, I think he might be giving up on Vancouver a little too easily. And, and maybe this is just you, me because I don't you know. You really like Vancouver. There, there's yeah. something about the Canucks to me that makes me feel like they might have the ability. Like, look, they've got skill. Pedersen, Besser. If they stay healthy, they've got Jam, Horvat, character players, JT Miller. Hughes is turning into a one defenseman. Mm-hmm. You've got Oliver Ekman Larson. You've got Tyler Meyer. Like, they've got a little bit. And if Thatcher Demko is the Thatcher Demko that we saw late last year, I might say that it runs through Western Canada. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think we would see what we saw from Calgary. I think that's a wonderful story. I think Manji, like, who would have thought that Manji Apani and, yeah, and yeah. Lindholm would be two of the top four scorers so far into the goal scores, so far into the NHL season, yet lo and behold, we're there. Mm. Edmonton off to a wonderful start. Cam Atkinson uh, breaking their hearts repeatedly last night because Edmonton showed some jam to get back into that game. And then right after they did, Atkinson scored. Atkinson. They got back into it. Atkinson, Atkinson scored scored. again. Yeah. And just like Lindholm and, uh, and Mangiapane, I don't know that people thought McDavid and Hyman would be leading the Oilers in scoring. With six I can tell apiece. you there's some people who thought McDavid. I don't yeah. know the other side. Yeah, of I don't know about yeah. the Hyman part of that. But uh, for me, I, I think that there is, listen, everyone saw the numbers. Ken Reed came in here. We had this conversation yesterday. Everyone saw the early numbers of the Canadian teams against American squads and thought, 
oh crap, the North was way overrated. They weren't that good. I thought we went through this last year when Montreal made a run to the Stanley Cup where everyone thought the North was crap and then Montreal wins a series. Oh, maybe they're okay. And then they face Tampa, who was just better than everybody else in my mind. And they lost. I think we're going to find out that the North division wasn't that bad halfway through this season. And I think we're starting to see that. I think we look what Calgary's done. Yep. They've gone through a four-game road trip thus far, finish it off tonight in Pittsburgh. It could be perfect. Uh, I think we're going to see that the North wasn't that bad after all. And maybe it's more to be said about the rest of the Pacific uh, and whatever Seattle's going to be and whatever the California teams are going to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the end it goes through Alberta and BC. And the Central is not getting out the Jets either. Not forgetting about you, Jets fans. I promise that. To baseball, though, let's switch gears just a little bit. Once again, Tim and friends, they nailed a Max Freed start. They being <laughs> us. Houston Astros tied up the series with the Braves 1-1 after getting freed early and often they chased the Braves starter after five innings. He gave up five earned. That's another five earned. Houston 5-2, 7-2 winners. Uh, Timmy, I think there's a lot of people out there who, when they saw this series, a sub-90 win Braves team taking on an Astros team that has looked spectacular. Mm-hmm. Does it feel inevitable like the Astros are going to win another World Series to you? You know, it's funny because after game one, I, uh, I sprinkled a little bit on the Astros. Mm. And, uh, like a little sprinkling. I, I, I like the Braves going into the World Series. I, I think that these things are coin flips. I don't think the best team always wins. And I like the starters for Atlanta more than I like the pitching for Atlanta more than I like the pitching for Houston. And listen, the Astros bats have been wonderful all year long. This is not to discount them in any way, shape, or form. But as soon as Charlie Morton went down, I got very worried. And the reason I got very worried was that takes away one of the advantages that Atlanta had. And that was that you were going to get Charlie Morton twice in this series. And then I started thinking back. Jesse and I had a conversation going into game five of the NLCS about Max Fried starting against L.A., and this could be done in Game 5. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers got to him, shockingly. A lot. A lot. Big time. And then last night, I sat here with Justin Morneau. We had a roundtable. Actually, that was the day before. My bad. I sat here with Justin Morneau, and we had a conversation about Fried. And it was like, great position to be in. Braves up one nothing in Houston, Fried on the mound. And something lingered about that start against the Dodgers. And lo and behold, they got he was maybe the best pitcher in baseball in the second half of the season. Against the Brewers in his first start, he was really, really good in the postseason. And since then, last two playoff starts, it has been unmaxed freed like. And I got the Astros going a long way here. I got the Astros at plus 135. I was going to mention that. They are now minus 140, and they're going to Atlanta for three games. Dun, 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 dun. That's you being a shark. You think so? Oh, yeah. I, like, that's, I, a, listen, that's a shark play right there. I, I, just, I looked at this, and I thought, you're not going to get two Mortons. Does this even it up? Because facing those bats, they're going to warm up. They're not going to stay, yeah, no. stay what they did in game one. And so... I feel like this might be the Astros to lose now. And going into it, I was leaning Braves. 
well, I'm very happy that you picked up a plus money bet because now I think they are minus, minus one, quite a bit of chalk. 140, yeah. Yeah. Minus 140. Yeah. Went to, in one day, in one game, it went from plus 135 to minus 140, although yeah. they did win the games. So yeah, do you hear that? That's the Jaws music still <laughs> playing. I got you. A shirt. Uh, still to come, we'll get you set for a great Thursday night football matchup. That's right. Packers-Cardinals, one loss between them. John Fox will join us. Hockey Talk with Nick Kiprios, Ryan Leslie on the Red Hot Flames. And up next, my good friend Donovan Bennett joins me in studio. And we'll talk NBA with Kenny the Jet Smith. It's Tim and Friends on a Thursday. Let's get her going, kids. Here's Barnes, quick move, driving. Oh, the slam dunk. Vicious and quick, right to the rim. What an exclamation point. Rodgers is great. He's the reigning MVP. Kyler Murray in this offense is must-see TV here in Arizona. You have to say they're for real, don't you? They're legit. Joey missed it. Oh, Christ! Wow! You never see that. Shaq in a bull right there, Mike. Shaq in a bull. The guy has not even hit the ball one time. I did. Oh, that's so stupid. You got that, Shaq. You got that. You got that, Shaq. I got that sack, let it die! Let it die! I got it, I got it, I got it! He's not coming! Yo, yo Chuckster, at him, boy! He's not coming! Uh-oh! He's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> Tim and friends for a Thursday, uh, and we've actually got some friends in studio. Kevin Mickey is in for Jesse Rubinoff, and my friend Donovan Bennett has joined us in studio. What's going on, DJ? Me and Kevin have the same stylist. Oh, look at this, oh, yes. White, <coughs> white hoodies and jackets. Oh, yeah. Bad boys for life. Honestly, right? Yeah. He, looks, yeah. he looks much better. I, uh, I'm happy to be here, though. I picked up the style tips from Donovan, actually. Is that uh, not true? Not check, true. At all. Checks in the mail. That's not true awesome. Not Looking true sharp. I love how it was like, I want to say, and Sands, keep me honest here, maybe three years ago, four years ago, coming onto the show, is it cold in there? Why are you wearing a hoodie? <laughs> why, why are you wearing a turtleneck? Like, no, I'm not talking about you. Yeah. That's, that was not your voice. Yeah. That was the voice of Twitter. Right. Uh, or Meta. What are we calling Facebook now? I don't know what the hell Meta? is. Have you told me earlier? Meta? Yeah, yeah. Meta, Meta or Meta? Yeah. Meta. What is the Meta artist formerly known as Meta? Yeah. Is it, is it cold in there? Now, now. everybody's rocking a, a hoodie or a turtleneck. Well, tell so. the man them. They were, they were just late to it, Donovan. Put some respect on my <laughs> <laughs> All right. Twitter was also... Uh, being and emming when the Raptors selected Scotty Barnes with their first round pick. I, I just kind of went on, I don't know if you heard it, but I went on a little bit of a, a Scotty Barnes rant, if you will, and wondered how many of those same people were that were complaining now would take Barnes over Suggs with their five-game sample size. Well, I felt like you were talking to me directly. <laughs> I, I felt targeted, quite frankly. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. Allow me to give you some space here. Because, yeah, uh, personal foul, Bennett, 13, that's me. I'll take that one. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I, on draft night, I was, I was ready for Suggs. Will Suggs get to them? Will he fall that far? Will mm -hmm. someone come up and get Suggs? I was the guy watching Nine Gonzaga games. I was seeing the, the, <laughs> the skip passes with the backwards English. And I'm like, man, with Nick Nurse, with, with Freddie Van V, Van Vliet beside him, right? Like, just with, with Siakam and OG just running and catching those lobs, it would be amazing. And then Scotty Barnes happens. And I'm like, 
I'm hearing the best superlative is that he's a great teammate, that people love him, uh, that he's got a physical demeanor that's great. And I'm hearing Joey Graham. Like, that's what I heard. That's what, no disrespect to the Graham family, yeah. but I'm like, we are in a league where shooting is a premium. I just witnessed the playoffs where Ben Simmons was played off the floor, maybe out of the city, because he couldn't shoot. And this is the answer. So I was like, okay, well, clearly there's another domino to drop. Pascal, maybe the rumors are true. Maybe he's moving. Like for like. Pascal's still here. So, so I will take that, although I will preface that, which I think the genesis of what you're saying is, Wusa, yeah. believe in Masai. Mm. You may not understand the plan and the vision, but you understand that the guy with the vision the track record. has made bets consistently that have come through. And it's not just with Masai. I remember this all the time with Dwayne Casey when every, every postgame, why isn't JV playing in the fourth quarter? What are we doing? Our out-of-bounds plays are garbage. And I'm like, you might disagree, but please know this. The guys in that room are so much more invested than you and <laughs> yes, so yes. much more educated than you. Literally every day they wake up thinking about this. Yeah. So when yeah. they make a decision, like they put a lot into it. So you may not understand it, but let it play out a little bit. Uh, all right, uh, Kenny Smith has had let oh. this play out for yes. a little bit, so let's bring him into the conversation. Why didn't you shut me up like 45 I, seconds I ago? I wondered if someone was saying it in your ear. Who cares? Like, they we have these little earpieces that go in, and they can say, hey, Donovan, shut up. Kenny's waiting. Kenny, my, uh, my apologies. <laughs> my bad. Not Again, at all, man. Personal I, I love foul. to hear. Bennett. I love to hear what you're saying, man. I'm in no rush. I'm not in no rush. It's 90 degrees here in California. You guys are. <laughs> Hey, don't do that already, okay? Don't do that. Hey, I'm just and letting you know the only reason I have this all the way up is because the air conditioning. <laughs> all, right. all right, let me let me say this then in response to that. Donovan and I, any day, we will challenge you and Shaq to a game of balloon any day <laughs> this week, next week, next year. Go get that. I mean, no, 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 you can't beat us. I mean, we got you. you. I mean, the length that Shaq has and the speed and quickness that I have, we are, we are unbeatable in that game of house balloon. No. I, grew up, I grew up in an apartment building, so that is the game I played every day almost. Every weekend, that's what we did in the house. But took a balloon and played this game every day. So this was this was so easy for me. Kenny, we grew up in dorm rooms in a cold country. This is what <laughs> yeah, we did dorm room was every day. Yeah. We did, we, we, we're playing small. We're going small ball. We're going to spread you out. We're going to use the entire Yo, circumference watch, of the watch room. Watch Shaq here. Shaq big time coming up here. This, yeah, this is it. The dive. Oh, go, go boy, big fella. Big go fella, go get it. Backhand as well. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right. If you guys ever come north of the border, we're setting we're setting up in studio Donovan and Uncle Timmy against uh against Kenny and, and the length of Shaq. Done deal. Done deal. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's talk a little basketball here. Last night, the Lakers entered play with a 230-0 record, including playoffs when leading by 25 or more in the last 25 seasons. They led by 26 and lost. I feel like the Lakers are good but not great. Am I wrong? Well, 
25 years, that's not these guys. So, I mean, over 25 years. I, I never look at those kind of stats because that's just saying that you've been great for a franchise for a long time. doesn't mean that the particular team is great. I just think that they're finding their way offensively in this regard. Like, I don't know if the best point guard is playing point guard. I don't know if the best two guard is playing two guard. I don't know if the best small forward is starting at small forward. And I don't know if Frank Vogel even knows that. Right. I think the difference is the lineups that he puts in at times that are successful aren't the ones that he thought it was going to be successful with when they started the game. That's what it appears to be from outside looking in. Um, I don't even know who their best five players are should be on the floor at the same time. I do know this, that they should have two shooters in the game at all times when Russell Westbrook is in the game. They, they need two shooters in the game uh, that want to just catch the ball and shoot it. Malik Monk, as great as he played the other night, he still wants to put the ball on the floor. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy. Carmelo right now is a catch-and-shoot guy. Maybe it is Carmelo. Um, the rookie that they have, that's a shooter. He like I don't know, but I just know they need two shooters on the floor when he's on the floor. I don't know which two they're going to be. I love that you brought up Westbrook because I watch his game with the pieces around him, and I wonder if it still plays offensively in this league. He set 12 screens all of last year. You would do that for Dean Smith on a road trip. Steph Curry sets more than 12 screens a night. He's not a three-point shooter. He doesn't cut off ball. Can you play the way he does on a team with so many guys who expect high usage rate? Well, you can't play with a team if, if, if you don't have shooters. You know, if you have guys, if I penetrate and pitch, and then you catch it to penetrate and pitch, <laughs> penetrate the ball again, then it's useless. So you, you have to, you know, some of that's coaching, you know, and style of play. Uh, when he was playing with Bradley Bill, he probably would have been better off because there's a guy who could catch and shoot and drive. Uh, but he's not a catch-and-shoot guy, Bradley Bill. You know, LeBron isn't a catch-and-shoot guy. So those other guys, guys they traded, Tavius <laughs> Pope, Kyle Kuzma, would have been great playing with Russell Westbrook because they would have just been standing and they enjoy doing that. That is their strength. And when I say they can't do it, it has to, Donovan, it has to be their strength. Like, what is Kyle Kuzma's strength? His catch and shoot. Can he put the ball on the floor? Yes. Can he dunk the basketball? Yes. Can he defend? But his strength is catching shooting. They, I don't know on the Lakers who would say their strength is that. Uh, you mentioned style of play, Donovan, and I can't help but think of James Harden when we're talking about style of play because the NBA has basically altered the rules and are attempting to change his style of play. Uh, Harden has 15 free throw attempts in five games this season. It's the first time since 2011 that he has attempted fewer than five free throws in five straight games. What do you make of this early on, Kenny? Like, has has the NBA nullified the strength of James Harden's game? Uh, I don't know if they nullified it, but he he has to do one thing. Uh, he has to get in better shape because his blow-by ability isn't there anymore. So he would be able to dance with you out front and create space because you were afraid that he would drive by you. Now, without the blow-by ability and it's not even the fouls, the blow-by ability, now when he's dancing out front, you stay within arm's length. Hmm. And that's been the biggest difference is that he is not in either healthy or been in basketball shape for the last year and a half to make himself that. Uh, when he got hurt 
when he got to Brooklyn. Even though he was a little bit out of shape, no, a lot out of shape when he got there. <laughs> he, he actually played himself into shape, and he was still able to put himself at an MVP level because he still could blow by you. Uh, I don't know if he's 100% healthy from last year or not, but he cannot blow by you right now. I have a theory. Stay with me. It, okay. l- let me know if my theory is correct. Okay. I believe the East is stronger than the West right now. Two of the last three NBA champions were from the East. There was much more depth in the East, and a lot of those Western All-Stars have eventually migrated to the East. Mm. Given the injuries and the age of many players in the West, I think the East is a tougher conference, including your New York Knicks. Mm. Uh, Am I wrong? Well, they're not my Knicks, but um, (laughs) they are the Knicks that I grew up loving. How's that? They're not mine. But I would say that I would agree with you on this. The top four teams in the East to me are better than the top four teams in the West. I don't know if the I don't know if five through twelve um, is particularly better, um, but I do think one through four is better. I would agree with that. Who's one but through four? I would say Milwaukee, Brooklyn, um, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, uh, Philadelphia. Are the Heat there? And the Heat are better than the four teams in the West, the top four teams in the West. Honest question, because I don't know the answer to this, and you would know it way more than me. How long do you give the Lakers? How long do you give James Harden? How how long do you give them to get going? Because, you know, like we've talked about this in the NBA, like some people would say 80 games, like as long as you make the playoffs. Like how long do you No, 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 no. I I would say 30 games. Like you're going to know who you are. Right. And, you know, typically even LeBron himself – you know, he didn't play the last two games. So let, let now we still don't even know what they are, you know. So I would say 30 games, you kind of get an input because you got an opportunity to go on runs in 30 games. You say, oh, we won eight in a row here. Then we lost one. We went on another seven-game row. Speed. All of a sudden, you're 16-1 and one in your last 17 games or, or 16-3, and three, some, you know, odd numbers. You get an opportunity to make those runs. LeBron hasn't played the last two, so this is still not the Laker team that we're going to see. So I would say 30 games is that number when, like, you, and, you, and, and you forget that the, then the delusion goes away too because right now in the first 10 games of the year, there's some teams that's never going to make the playoffs that are going to – they're delusional and they're playing harder than they normally will. And so they're like, oh, we're going we're, we're gonna to be good this year. We're going to be good. No, you're not. You just you caught you caught someone on opening night. Everyone's excited, and you and you won a game or two. But I, I think thirty games, you know who you are. Look at this foot speed, Kenny Smith. I see, man. You should, you, you should be scared of this foot speed here. Well, I Is don't that, know. Where, I don't know where you where you went dress shoes too, and what you went to go do. So I don't know <laughs> if that's fast, Donovan. We don't know if it's fast or not because I don't know what he went to do in in that ten seconds. <laughs> Kenny, anytime you cross that border, it's on like Donkey Kong. Oh, man, listen, it's a lot of talk on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great catching up with you, my dude. Be well, okay? All right, man. All, All right. right, see you guys later. There is uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, current holder of the North American television crown of Balloon World Cup. I think we could take him. Easy. We've, we've got the speed. 
Yeah, we got we got youth. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little winded. Well, I was about to say we've got the endurance. I might need to check that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned into Sid over the pandemic. What the hell's going on? Uh, will you stick around for a little bit? Uh, sure. I want to continue the conversation surrounding Scotty Barnes that you waded into our Kenny the Jet Smith time on because I've heard a little birdie told me someone might be doing a story on one Scotty Barnes. We'll discuss that. Donovan Bennett, Kevin Mickey's still here. Close to Halloween. Oh, look, there's a tombstone for Tim All right, back after this. Welcome back, Tim and friends. Donovan Bennett in the studio. Kevin Mickey in the studio. I'm talking about uh, Balloon World Cup and challenging Kenny Smith and Shaquille O'Neal. And there's real news going on. Uh, Kevin Mickey, do you have that real news for us, or at least reports right now? Yeah, so it sounds like Kevin Shoveldayoff, GM of the Winnipeg Jets, was supposed to have his meeting with Gary Bettman on Monday. That meeting has now been moved up to tomorrow, Uh being Friday. So the Jets have confirmed the the meeting has been moved to tomorrow. I wonder if any of the um, decisions that Bettman wanted to make on Joel Quenville Mm -hmm. were predicated on Mm -hmm. meeting with Kevin Chappell day off because we're hearing that we're not going to hear much right now from the meeting earlier today with Quenville and Batman. So that there might be some some give and take there. That makes sense. Timmy, you had some uh, some very some very nice words off the top of the show today. A very nice uh, opening monologue. Uh, There was a lot of very very unique and heartwarming stuff said by you. Just we got a lot of feedback from those Tim and Friends viewers watching at home. Just want to get to some, just a few of those responses. And sure. everybody, a lot of people very, very moved by what you said. Uh, Phil, that's Papa Phil 53, says, uh, wow, very powerful opening by Tim McAuliffe today. Talk is cheap. The NHL needs to do better. We all need to do better. That was spurred by uh, your opening conversation, Tim. Elizabeth uh, thank you, Tim and friends. Accountability is not a weakness. The best of us make mistakes, but our integrity is revealed by how we own them and make amends. And I think that was one of the messages that yeah, maybe you because were trying I got to pass two along. kids, uh, eleven and under. Uh, you're constantly talking to kids about we're going to make mistakes. It's just how you react to those mm-hmm. mistakes that makes you what you are. And it's funny when I look around at adults these days, I don't see a lot of that. Uh, Politicians uh, beyond large. Yeah, it's just there's so many different places where we need more of that. Uh, and then there was also this one that actually caught my eye. Uh, Timbo, great monologue, but was thrown off by g Easy being your wingman instead of Jess. <laughs> and I think g is me in this situation. Right. Now, let me tell you what I know about g Okay. And that is next to nothing. Right. But I, he seems like he's a very handsome man. Donovan likes it. g has a couple strong tracks. I'll take that as a compliment. I'm definitely going to take this as a compliment. I'm going to run with that. So we were talking about Scotty Barnes, uh, and lo and behold, and obviously Jalen Suggs in Orlando coming to town. The timing is interesting, but uh, the timing also interesting because I heard that you uh, did a little story on the Scotty Barnes vibes. I did, and as much as it was cool to talk to Scotty, get some of those vibes, and you understand why he's so infectious, the best part for me of the feature was talking to his teammates, how infectious he's been to them, but also... How surprised or maybe not surprised they were when he was drafted? Fred Van Vliet said it all for me. I know what the public wanted to go with. I know everybody wanted subs. I wasn't surprised at all. Scotty, you know, 
great potential, you know, and, and a lot of enthusiasm, you know, and energy. I was excited. I didn't really know too much of him. Main thing I always noticed about him, whether it was a video, a photo, a video, just his energy. You know, how he comes and what he brings, you know, it can't be replaced. So that's tomorrow? That is tomorrow, uh, during the pre-game of our Raptors broadcast. And, like, you know this, it's true in, in broadcasting, it's true in many areas of life, but it's definitely true in sports. Real recognize real. Yeah. And oftentimes, the executives will ask other players, what do you think of that workout? What do you right. think of that player? And the Raptors were on board, even though the fan base took them a little well. You know what's funny is, like, uh, as I grow older, I also appreciate people who just walk in with a smile. Mm. Like... Smiles are infectious, like literally, scientifically proven, there's a mirror image in our head that sometimes when someone smiles, you immediately smile back because there's something that works in our brains. And just having the people with that positive attitude and that smile in and around a building can help. And the, the thing that I worried about when I first saw him was, is he going to be like that on the court? And the answer is hell no. Like he's a killer on the court. He he brings like fight, passion, and and whistle blows. There's a timeout. The smile comes back. But on the floor, like he's got a little bit of everything. But if someone just tuned into the show and didn't happen to see the B-roll that's running, they would hear your description and think of Masai Ujiri, right? Mm. In terms of that infectious attitude, that mm. smile. And I think as the more I thought about, the more this pick made entire sense to me. You're away for a year. Missed the playoffs for the first time in the regime. Kyle's leaving. Ready for there, a rebuild. There was yeah. such a negative connotation around everything that was experienced in Tampa. Culturally, it's something they talk about so often. Yeah. It was such a good fit because it really is uh, a force multiplier of the good yeah. vibes that they often talk about in the organization. Uh, I appreciate when you bring good vibes into this room, oh. uh, into this show. And uh, I think you did it today. So, daps and head taps. Appreciate you. Uh, Kevin, thank you for the style advice. Appreciate you as well. Please. Uh, G-Eazy over there <laughs> with more daps and head taps. Huh? Up next, Nick Kiprios will join me in studio. A little hockey talk coming up next right here on Tim and Friends. Eventually, Sheepdogs, welcome back. Tim and friends here with you for another hour on Sportsnet 360. 30 minutes on Sportsnet Hockey Central will take over at the bottom of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. It's Carolyn Cameron, Justin Bourne, and Sam Cosentino. And they will have more on the fallout from the Blackhawks investigation. Joel Quenville's meeting with Gary Bettman earlier today. And now reports that uh, GM of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Dayoff, will meet with the commissioner tomorrow, not Monday. Uh, as originally thought. Again, all the latest coming up, 6.30 Eastern, plus Carolyn and company will get you set for a busy night on the ice. Nine games on the schedule, including four Canadian teams. Allow me to try and 
give you a wee bit of a scene setter. The Flames visit the Penguins tonight as Calgary looks to complete their five-game sweep of an East Coast swing. Sidney Crosby skated this morning but will not make his season debut. Flames forwards Elias Lindholm and Andrew Mangiapane have been on fire, pardon the pun, 11 goals in their first four games of this road trip. Viewers in the Calgary region can see the game on Sportsnet West, 5 local time, 7 Eastern. After handing the Oilers their first loss of the season, the Flyers are now in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Yaroslav Halak expected to make his second start of the season in goal for the Canucks. Flyers, backup Martin Jones will get the call for Philly. You can see the game across the country on Sportsnet, 10 Eastern, 7 local in Vancouver. Meanwhile, the Jets will look for a four straight win tonight as they visit the Kings. Blake Wheeler rejoined the team after clearing COVID protocol and Mark Shifley expected to be cleared today. However, neither player is expected to play tonight or Saturday against the Sharks. And speaking of San Jose, they host the struggling Habs tonight. Montreal lost 5-1 to the Kraken in their first game of their West Coast trip. Still have just one win on the season, making matters worse. The Habs have lost 10 straight games for the Sharks, being outscored 41 to 14. They haven't won in San Jose since 1999. I may have had hair. Canes are one of three remaining undefeated teams in the NHL. They look to improve to 6-0 tonight as they host the Bruins. It's the second of back-to-backs for the Bees. They lost 4-1 to the Panthers last night as Florida improved to 7-0. Got a good instance you understood. You can see the game. Sportsnet East, Ontario, and Pacific at 7 Eastern time. Some old-school friends of the show in studio today. Donovan Bennett walks out in, walks Nick Kiprios. Kipper, welcome back, buddy. Thanks, good buddy. to have you in here. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, a lot of stories percolating, obviously. Uh, none bigger than what's going on with Gary Bettman and the meetings. Uh, Joel Quenville earlier today, and now we're hearing Kevin Shovel Dayoff has been moved up. Smart move. It sounds like they might be related, so you might want to put them closer if you're going to come to any sort of decision. I think originally they said Monday for Kevin Chevel day yeah. off, and no, sense of urgency, show everybody uh, how important this is to move the process and uh, the right thing to do right now. The, the right thing to do last night, I think, and I don't know, I won't speak for you, but Joel Quenville probably shouldn't have coached last night. No, I was shocked. Yeah. I was absolutely shocked that that he would be in a scenario where uh, you would not have had him off the bench. And it's not for any other reason, but just to calm the waters down a little yeah. bit and, and to, to show everybody that there is a sense of urgency to get more answers, which we hope that Gary Bettman and, and Joel Quenville probably with at least a couple of lawyers present now yeah. in the NHL head office, would would start the process. But being behind the bench, uh, it made no sense to me last night. And I would probably guess that he would be maybe suspended indefinitely in the next 24, 48 hours oh, yeah. because there still needs a lot of, uh, uh, questions answered here, yeah. Tim. And I look at that that report. When it's all said and done, here we have one of the worst things to happen, you know, to any organization in NHL history. And all we have is a a report that was based on the same team that's being investigated. Right. Come on, like 
ultimate conflict of interest. That's all we have right now is that report that was paid by the Chicago Blackhawks. Can somebody start answer, asking some other questions away from the team that was investigated? Yeah. It's and maybe it starts today in Gary Bettman's office. We'll see. I wonder, do you think, first off, I saw Joel Quenville's press conference yesterday before the game, the pregame, and I thought, wow, this is not the right, like, you should just go out there and say, we respect this process a ton. Uh, I am going to step back until I meet with Gary Bettman, then we'll decide what the right thing to do is moving forward. And then I saw Kyle Beach speak, and I thought to myself, okay, now it seems to me like we need other people, like, there are contradictory reports coming from what Kyle Beach is saying versus what you saw in the report versus the different people in the room in that report. Like, it feels like you yeah. need another independent investigation. I, I agree. That, that, that interviews more people. I, we saw a lot of detail in there, and then yeah. we saw not a lot of detail. And I go back to, I think, the May 23rd, where uh, the, the five executives, including Joel Quenville, are in the office. Not a lot of detail there. No. A lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, no recollection right. or, uh, you know, everybody's got uh, different versions and nobody really knows in that meeting based on that report released by the Chicago Blackhawks, what was said exactly and who knew what. Right. And to this day, we got the impression out of Joel Quenville that, hey, I may be guilty of turning the other cheek, but I, I didn't know. And I'm sure today in that office, Joel Quenville saying, I didn't know. Right. And if that's the case, is that enough for Gary to say, you no longer can coach in the National Hockey League? I'm not sure. That's for people smarter than me to decide. But I, don't, I didn't get that out of the report that, uh, you know, he, all I'm saying is if you're going to kick Joel Quenville out of the league, you better be right for the reasons why. Right. Can they, I, I know that um, there were Florida Panthers staff involved. Uh, I think the GM, Bill Zito, was yes. there. Yes, um, he spoke. And, and president of the team was there as well. Like, obviously, there are, you know, like, can the NHL step in and ban a coach? Can they fire a I coach? I think they can, can try. Yeah. I, I think they can try. But then where, uh, you know, where's Joel Quenville on this? And where's, will he, will he, be, will he, Resign? Will right. he step aside or will he say, no, I don't think this is right. I'm telling you, I didn't know to what degree this situation was. Right. Am I guilty of being overly focused on trying to win a Stanley Cup? Uh, was I told vaguely what was going on and was I told, we'll handle it, go win your Stanley Cup, right. don't focus on it. And uh, we'll take it from here. But we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. And that's why they need someone else to, to go further than what that 107-page report. And I, listen, I, I spent some time and I read it. And the conclusions are tough to come by. And then when you hear Kyle Beach speak, he said there's absolutely no way Joel Quenville yeah. didn't know. So, so let's, so so, let's so, put them together. Figure it out properly and come yeah. to some sort of conclusion. But I don't know that the NHL can do that this quickly. I don't think that they can either. And I, if you have one story and another story and nobody to either uh, back up anyone's story, where are you left? 
Tim, right. where you left. But here's, here's the problem. And listen, a lot of people use the word transparency. And then when it comes, like, the NHL keeps talking about how inclusive it wants to be and, and how they want to have open doors for everyone. And then They do, though. They it, do. They want to. But then when it comes to practicing it, you have to have some sort of transparency. And you have to show people that it's not just words, right? That when something like this happens, we will act. Yeah. And what we saw here in 2010 was every system that they had in place, including the NHLPA failing. And I, I really worry that the NHL is going to look at this and instead of saying just we were wrong and we're going to do better, they're going to be a little bit embarrassed and try and, and, and spin their way out of this. And that's the worry that yeah. I have. And I'm not talking about Joel Quenville. I'm not talking about his career. I'm not talking about his future or how long he sits or what accountability looks like. And I think that's what you and I are talking about, what accountability in this situation yeah. looks like. Well, there's, but, but stop spinning yeah. and just say, man, this was a colossal mistake and we're going to be better moving Yeah, forward. there has been a sense over the years that there has been somewhat of a secret squirrel thing going right. in the National Hockey League. And even if you watch how this whole uh, sequence progressed and, you know, if you're going to do a report, Chicago, let's go back a little further to where when it was first presented to you and you said this is baseless and it had no merit. Right. How about a little thing? How about that mentioned? We're, in, oh, no, no, we, we, yeah. don't, we don't put that in there. Yeah. Okay, why? Like, go back at the very beginning. But they won't do that because they get to pick and choose what they want in the report and what they don't want in the report. They're paying for it, for God's sakes. Right. So I, the, that to me. And, and Stan... Continually throughout the summer, general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, you can't read the tea leaves. By then you would have had so much of evidence and you still let him go and be your general manager. And don't even get me started on USA Hockey, who did the same thing. It's like, what is going on here? Like, how can you not know where this thing's headed? And yet, what? You think that there's going to be some magic carpet that you're going to be able to sweep it all underneath in the last second right it's i cannot believe what i saw in the last few months and the 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 thing that i keep going back to and i I saw sheldon kennedy um on with carolyn cameron and it's it's opportunities in this in these mistakes there are opportunities within these colossal failures that let people down like Kyle Beach who never got to chase his dream never played he was an 11th overall pick never played a game in the NHL Tim, and, and he, he name me first round picks where it doesn't pan out and they don't get another chance to go somewhere else yeah. like he didn't even get there was not even another organization to give him a try it was yeah. like it's it's crazy when you look back on this. Yeah, and, and that's the part where, um, you know, the NHL needs to take this and just build on it, right? Like, something bad happened. Take it and build on it. Don't let it be something that just gets swept under the carpet because that's, that's when the mistake multiplies. Um, can we talk a little bit of yeah, hockey? Why not, eh? All right, let's get on the ice uh, for a flash here. And I know you're going to stick around uh, for a little bit. We're yeah. going to have Ryan Leslie on to talk about the Calgary Flames who have been playing well. But... What did you see in the Leafs' performance last night? And is there some? Did they buy themselves some leeway? Here? <laughs> yeah, until Saturday. <laughs> until Saturday night. Until yeah. 
you, you would have hoped that it would have been a little bit more convincing, but it wasn't. Uh, but you got to start somewhere. I think you got some idea of uh, how low this team has, has gotten in a very short period of time where you're, you're trying to take still positives out of squeaking out a win against one of the worst teams in the league here. And I think we saw a little bit of emotion. There was Matthews on the bench. There was uh, Nylander talking about uh, some, some things that were said after the first period. All good. All something I think you can start building off of a little bit. And, and yeah, I love this. Like, Matthews needs to do more of this. You know, this is an organization that speaks awfully positive all the time. And, no, like, give somebody a kick in the ass. I think Austin Matthews did that right there. And that's a good thing. But, and here's the but, you still needed Jack Campbell to bail you out with huge saves. If they think they're going to just continue to exchange chances and, and hope that they're one up at the end of it, uh, they're, they're making a big mistake. But this is, this is a team that played well enough to win, but not well enough to, to change really the issues that are going on right now, or else they're going to be in a dogfight right to the very end to make the playoffs. Do, do they have, listen, I, I agree with you. And as you're saying it, like I'm thinking, okay, obviously they've got big guns, right? Like they've got guys that can score. Matthews is not going to finish the, the year with one goal for every uh, eight games that they play this year. That's just not going to happen. You know he's better than that. You know Marner's point totals are going to go up. Tavares' point totals. Do they have the defense? No. 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 And it, we had been... We, we've been talking over the last few years that they could add some more depth, even when those guys were on the top of their game. Yeah. But now you've got Muzzin and Hall, who uh, couldn't, couldn't have started worse. No. They look lost out there, and, and worse, they look slow. slow. Yeah, Hall especially. And this team has been notorious for its speed and its transition and its rush through the neutral zone. And that's all but disappeared here. But Muzzin, to me, is the real key here. When he's going, he's probably regarded as one of the better shutdown guys in the league, and he's certainly paid like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's not get into how much they pay compared to what they're producing because (laughs) I'll I'll open up a huge can of worms There's a lot of guys on that list right now. when when Muzzin has to be really good for Hall to be really good, not the other way around. Right, right. And that's a... Let that marinate for a second because you're bang on on that point. And that happens a lot in the National Hockey League, and I don't think enough people recognize that. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Can you stick around? Absolutely. Awesome. Kipper's sticking around. I hope you'll stick around because after the break, we'll be joined by the extremely handsome Ryan Leslie as the Flames look to make it a perfect five for five on their East Coast trip. This could be the story of Canadian hockey, and we'll do it next right here at Kevin Friends. Game one, five-game road trip for Calgary. Threw it in front, they score, Lindholm. Possibly the most underrated player in the NHL right now. Everybody score! Bonciapani able to tuck it into the rebound. They kick off this road trip with a 3-0 shutout. Here's a shorthanded chance for Lindholm. Lindholm, right in! Scores! Is he hot or what? They beat the defenseman up the ice and sent the defenseman back to the gym, undressed the goalie, and they went bar down. Good throw, Lindholm, score! 
Leno with the hat-trick goal. It's the overtime winner. Shot for the line, rebound, the score. Mangiapane gets his second of the game. Andrew Mangiapane just continues to play better and better and better every game. This was a dominant performance. Which team, Timmy, has righted the ship most? My answer was going to be the Calgary Flames. When they score with Daryl Sutter as their coach, they are hard to beat. Here's Mangiapane, got a shot away, scores! <laughs> Can you believe it? Man, is he on a roll. Whatever Daryl Sutter is serving up pregame, yeah. it's working because <laughs> they have come out gangbusters for a whole string of games in a row here. Satisfying road trip. Have won four straight games. Couldn't go much better than it has for the Calgary Flames. Early story of the season, the Calgary Flames winners of four in a row all on the road. Detroit, Washington, New York, and New Jersey scoring 17 goals in those four games, 10 in their last two. And of course, uh, two of the top four goal scorers in the National Hockey League, Elias Lindholm and Andrew Mangiapane. Tonight, they take on the Penguins looking to cap that five-game perfect road trip. Perfect. Mm. Kind of like the haircut and overall look of our next guest, Nick Kiprios. <laughs> Ryan Leslie is joining us from the big boy studio across the way. What's up, handsome? How you doing? I was just thinking how good Nick would look if he shaved off that beautiful <laughs> Greek hair of his. I'm tempted right now. You know, right? I think there's some clippers in studio. We could just make that part of the show. Uh, I don't like being the odd man out here. <laughs> you look great. What the hell's happening? Uh, was it like, I, I did not expect to be the early story Calgary Flames. Holy crap, what's going on? Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming, uh, except maybe those inside that locker room. And it has been, as you said, and that was quite the highlight montage there of this uh, road trip because uh, this was a team that got out a little bit slow, 0-1-1, uh, and and, but they still like parts of their game. And then they just kind of ramped it up, and I think Nick could probably speak to this better than anybody, and that's the importance of getting out onto the road. And they hadn't been on the road uh, outside of those Canadian cities and unable to go out as a group. There were some new faces. Then you had more new faces. This group needed to go out and get a sense of who they were, find their identity on and off the ice, and they've done just that. And it's a group that is committed to playing with that Daryl Sutter structure. Um, we've seen that time and time again, but really they're scoring first, and that's kind of the new story that has not always been a story that follows the Calgary Flames. They've been digging out for years, guys, not just in games, but historically to start seasons. And they have changed that narrative, and they're doing it the way they want. Pretty complete games. So you could start with goaltending. Uh, Markstrom's been rock solid back there when he's needed to be, and they've beaten some teams uh, that maybe I think, you know, everybody looks at in the East. Certainly in the West, they need to see more of them. But those are some pretty good teams in the East. They've come in here. They've got four. It's been a good road trip. They'd like to make it a great one against the Penguins. And, Ryan, it certainly helps when you get some unexpected uh, scoring now. Uh, like, Mangiapani, Mangiapani. If he keeps scoring, I'm going to have to figure out uh, the proper <laughs> pronunciation here. But I'm, I'm watching this Italian, guy. Italian, Nick. Italian. <laughs> Ryan, I'm watching this guy, and it kind of reminds me when I covered the World Cup in 2006 when I found out that Brad Marchand's a better scorer than I thought right. he was. And wow. he's got a little bit of the Brad Marchand in terms of, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, good lateral movement, and can make great offensive plays here. He'll never have that uh, both eyes at sea level kind of, you know, not at sea level like Brad Marchand at times, but... <laughs> There's a little reminder there of uh, some good offense. There is, and I think the other comparable is neither take their foot off the gas, Nick. I mean, you know, these are energy players, and somehow they find ways to score in areas maybe that you don't think they're going to score. And I was talking to Dylan Dubé yesterday about uh, Manjapani and just talking about, you know, 
he knew about how dangerous he was in junior playing in Barry for uh, Dale Howarchuk. He then had a chance to play with him in the American League down in Stockton, and they were kind of flip-flopping who was scoring more. And uh, then you get to this level, and he has just kind of elevated his game. It's hard work, hard on pucks. It's funny, talking to Manjapani, he says, oh, the puck's just fine to me. Well, he knows how to be around the puck, and I think that's a skill on its own. And, um, you know, there is some scoring ability there. And, again, talking to Dubé, he said, this is no surprise to me. This guy just needed to become comfortable with who he is in whatever role he's thrown in, and he's thriving right now, and it is a lot of fun to watch. And some of those goals, some are, you know, wide open. You think that's a goal scorer's goal. And some you're thinking, how did he get that? Uh, that's just as greasy as it gets. And that early on, guys, is what they were talking about in those two losses. They had uh, 90 shots generated in those first two games, but there was no greasy, good scoring opportunities, no high-danger stuff. And Andrew Mangiapane can kind of be that guy who can muck it up, score a pretty one, but get you greasy ones when you need it. Is this the new Giordano for Calgary? like uh, undrafted in the OHL. I know he was drafted to the NHL, but it wasn't exactly uh, first, second, third, fourth, or fifth round for yeah. Mangiapani. Like, it's just a great story. It is. He was passed over his first go-around, too, and then uh, I happened to be down at the draft in Florida. In the sixth round, the Flames call Mangiapani's name, and st- he was there with his family. So can you imagine yeah. sweating it out in Florida, waiting to hear your name, and uh, it finally came. And all he's done is pay the Flames back with hard work, a lot of effort, and just an example. And the other thing, too, guys, is he's becoming a little bit more of a vocal leader in the room. And I think, again, as I defer to Nick, that's kind of a neat sign when uh, a young, kind of shy guy now feels comfortable enough to at least have his voice heard in the room. Not only his play is doing the talking, but he's starting to become more comfortable in that uh, vocal category as well. Ryan, they also got a voice uh, that recently won a Stanley Cup, and there's so much attention in Edmonton about Zach Hyman but Blake Coleman again when you talk about good quality real minutes depth uh, Coleman's pretty good championship pedigree right Uh, there's a guy who what a couple of years I think we've talked about this but a couple of years couple of cups sorry a couple of kids couple of cups and a brand new contract in Calgary so things are are rolling for him but uh, he's found a little chemistry with uh, Michael Backlund as well and it was interesting he said um, that his line along with uh, Tyler Pitlick that it's starting to remind him of Maybe that third line in Tampa with uh, Barkley Goodrow and Yanni Gord when they had so much so much success. And uh, it was just uh, kind of neat to hear him say, we are proud two-way players who really relish getting the job done. John Cooper said, look, Flames fans are going to love him. This guy's fearless. Doesn't say a lot, but his play is the type of thing that Daryl Sutter and other coaches would love to have. Listen, we know you got a show to do. Uh, you're looking good, okay? I think, too, I think yes. you're looking sharp today. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you again. Good to see you, boys. Thanks. <laughs> there is Ryan Leslie. He will have your coverage. Flames and Penguins tonight. No Sidney Crosby in the lineup for the Pens. Wondered if he was going to play today. Uh, took the morning skate, but... Uh, no, he's not ready. He's not ready. No, no. He's, he'll let them know. This is Sid's call. This right. isn't the Penguins' <laughs> you call. Mean they're not forcing him back in. <laughs> Although, they're playing early on have without seen, their stars. Have you seen their record? in? Like, it's something ridiculous. Like, 34 not, and 16 yeah. when both... Gino and Sid are out of the lineup. Like, how the hell does that work? I don't know. That's when I know nothing about hockey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you take the two best players out of the lineup, and their winning percentage is almost the same, if not better. Uh, Kipper, my winning percentage is always better when you drop uh, by. You're a good man. I, I thank you for doing this, and I thank you for, thank uh, you. for blessing us. All right. Uh, there is Nick Kiprios. You can listen to him each and every day on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, or catch the podcast wherever. 
you get your fine podcast. For those of you watching on Sportsnet, Hockey Central is coming up next. Meanwhile, Tim and Friends continues on Sportsnet 360. Just a 60-second break, and we'll tee up the Packers and Cardinals Thursday night in a good one with John Fox next and Tim and Friends. Hockey Central Sportsnet, Tim and Friends, Sportsnet 360. Thanks, Skipper. and the Cardinals. They are red hot, right? Arizona 7-0 unbeat for the first time since 1974. Green Bay on a six-game win streak. Aaron Rodgers is great. He's the reigning MVP. Here's one down the sideline. It is caught. Touchdown, Green Bay. On a beautiful throw from Aaron Rodgers. He is truly a master. He's as good as anyone who's ever played the game at the position. The Cardinals defense, they have been the best in the NFL so far. Oh, Devon Kennard just ran over Davis Mills. Arizona has passed every test. They won at Tennessee. They won at the Rams. They beat Cleveland and Minnesota. Pretty good team. Kyler Murray in this offense is must-see TV here in Arizona. You have to say they're for real, don't you? They're legit. To be honest with you, that Arizona resume gets better and better by the week. The Tennessee win looks better and better by the week. The L.A. win looks better and better by the week. Uh, it's a great Thursday nighter, and you don't often get them. 6-1 Packers at 7-0 Cardinals. Here to help us break it down and get you set for the rest of the week in the National Football League is uh, a man who knows good, fo- good football teams when he sees them. John Fox joins us on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to the show, John. How are you? Doing great, Timmy. How about yourself? I'm very well. Thank you. And one thing that when we're talking about real good football teams, usually we're not talking about teams with injuries. Like, you've got to get lucky when it comes to injuries, yet there are some significant injuries heading into this one. How much do you think they'll play a factor into the outcome of tonight's game? Well, I mean, if you count COVID, I think a pretty big factor. You've got, uh, you know, the top two receivers for the Green Bay Packers out. Uh, you know, and Devontae Adams and uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, and let's not forget, Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, is out. So uh, that, that that can have a little bit of bearing as well. So um, no doubt injuries in every NFL season play a big part. And uh, the teams that can weather that with next man up mentality typically are the ones in the playoffs, uh, you know, come January. I was going to ask you, who's a bigger loss, J.J. Watt or Devontae Adams? Oh, you know, I think uh, – you know, both, really, because I, yeah. I think what J.J.'s done really well for the Arizona Cardinals this year has brought some veteran leadership. You know, I think, you know, a year ago they had some talent, but they were a young football team. And, you know, Steve Kime went out and signed some vet, vet guys that have been around the block, been on good teams. Uh, J.J. Watt was that guy. But he'll, he'll, he'll be in a supportive role for sure on that sideline. Who's more dangerous right now, Aaron Rodgers or Kyler Murray? Well, again, I always go back. They're both great players. Obviously, Aaron's as good as to ever play the game. And, you know, Kyler Murray is a very dynamic young quarterback in the National Football League for sure. But um, so often, Tim, it's about the supporting cast. And I think, you know, for tonight's game, I think uh, Kyler Murray has the uh, better supporting cast going into this game, uh, particularly at the receiver position. We mentioned some of those wins for the Cardinals. I know there was some heat on Cliff Kingsbury going into this year. 
Does it feel like this is a legit undefeated team that is going to contend for an NFC championship? I actually do, Tim, but I think the biggest surprise to me has been on defense. Yeah. You know, right now the Arizona Cardinals, you know, lead the National Football League in points per game. You know, the job Vance Joseph's done uh, with that group, they're playing hard, they're playing together. Um, you know, I think that's probably uh, been the big surprise for me uh, as it relates to the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think that is? Like, obviously, uh, Vance Joseph is a guy that you might know a little bit in. Like, is it scheme? Is it uh, understanding the talents that you have? I, I love that kind of, you know, the give and take, whether or not it's it's what you're doing as a coach versus what you have as players and what players are able to do based on your scheme. Well, I think, you know, what every NFL player wants is to be coached. And they want to be coached to be better. And they want to be put in positions uh, where they can be most successful. And I think, you know, any coach, I don't care, offense, defense, special teams, uh, that's what they expect, and that's how you earn the respect of the players as a coach. So uh, I think Vance has done an outstanding job of that, uh, putting people in positions to have success, and uh, everybody wins that way, whether it's a player with a contract or whether it's the football team, you know, on Sundays uh, as far as wins and losses. So uh, Vance has been around. He's a, he's a, a good motivator, and he's a very fo- good football coach, and uh, I think that's what guys are looking for. I want to look ahead to the rest of the week in the National Football League. One of the games that jumps out to me is the Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. And initially, I wasn't sure if the Titans were real. I wondered if this would be the fall-off year for them. But they've put up some really impressive wins. And I feel like Carson Wentz starting to find his groove under Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Could this be the game of the week? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, what's happened with Indianapolis, you know, they got off to a slow start, but they're getting healthy. Uh, you know, they got Quentin Nelson back. Uh, you know, you, you, you bring in a new quarterback, but regardless of how good they are, I'm talking about Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. um, you still got to get familiar. You know, you got a new city, you got a new facility, you got a new coach, uh, even though you knew Frank Reich before, but uh, you got new teammates getting the timing and so much of this is the chemistry that you build and you know I think you're starting to see the real Carson Wentz now start to step up and I think you know they're an improving football team same same way on defense I was a little bit surprised how they came out of the blocks a little slow on defense as well um, and they've been a good defense a year ago so uh, you know they're getting their stuff together and they're starting to play a little bit together as a football team listen I think Derrick Henry is far and away the best running back in the league but could Jonathan Taylor be second yeah, I mean, you know, look, they 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 they've got a really a football team. I, I remember uh, doing a show and everybody talked about what's wrong with Tennessee and what's wrong with the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, I was like, they're both going to be fine. And then flash forward six weeks and look where they are now. Both football teams are very good. You know, it's funny. I, I you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys and they're in the Sunday nighter, um, and they get Minnesota. And I was uh, I was mentioning about a week or two ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago that. Uh, I kind of sprinkled some uh, some cash on the Dallas Cowboys having the best record in the NFC. And part of it was their division is weak. Part of it was uh, the Cardinals division is tougher. Um, a lot of the other divisions might be a little bit tougher. And I thought the Bucks were banged up. But lo and behold, it doesn't matter how banged up they are. They keep winning games. But this Dallas team seems like there's a little bit of runway here. I know it's the Vikings, but after that, it's the Broncos Falcons, uh, the Chiefs, um, I don't know what's happening with the Chiefs, but it seems like there's some open runway here where Dallas could gather some confidence 
And a confident football team can be a different football team, can it? Oh, no doubt. You know, and I think, you know, really that football team, you know, starts with Dak Prescott. And, you know, he's such an inspirational teammate. He really kind of makes them click. He's He holds guys accountable. And, you know, look, the teams that are going to, you know, make it to the very end are the teams that have the best locker room leadership. And I think they have figured that out. You know, I think the, the defense, their defense was awful last season. And, and uh, you know, they're simplified and, and they've got some really, really good players. Uh, and, they're, and they're playing well as a defense as well. So that, that definitely helps. Uh, but I, I think the inspirational guy and, and the team leader in that locker room, Dak Prescott, uh, is what makes them tick. Wow. All right, so we've done Thursday night, we've done Sunday night. Let's finish with the Monday nighter. It's the Giants at the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of people are worried about the Chiefs. What do you think? Well, you know, everybody, you know, harps on the defense, but let's not forget, they've been awful on defense the last two years, and they were in the Super Bowl the last two years. So um, where they're struggling now, you know, they've been out of this world on offense the last two years. Well, where they're struggling now is, you know, the turnovers, they've had penalties, they've had, you know, missed assignments, and particularly in pass protection. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is getting knocked around like a rag doll, and they've got to clean that up. The good news is, is those things are fixable. And I know Andy Reid's super capable. He's an outstanding Hall of Fame football coach, uh, and he'll get that right. That's the uh, the silver lining, I think, is uh, some of that undisciplined uh, play on offense uh, can be fixed. And uh, if there's a guy that can fix it, it's Andy Reid. All right, uh, we're mentioning Patrick Mahomes, maybe the uh, the best quarterback of uh, of the new generation. I know that you are going back to uh, to Denver to participate in Peyton Manning's uh, Broncos Ring of Fame celebration this weekend. What's that going to be like? Oh, it's going to be exciting. You know, I got to see Peyton at the Hall of Fame. I was able, my wife and I were able to get out to Canton, uh, so it's always great seeing he and Ashley and the kids and. Uh, what, what a great guy, what a great player. All the accolades he gets are, are, couldn't be more deserving. So uh, it's quite the big deal. Uh, they brought, uh, put in Mike Shanahan a couple of weeks ago, and, um, you know, they do a great job. It's a class organization, and, you know, obviously Peyton Manning's a class guy and deserves every, every reward he can get. So, so when are we going to see uh, John Fox on the Manning cast on Monday Night Football? <laughs> you never know. That one's a little rough around the edges. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm diving into that one yet. Uh, I, you know what I love about? I don't know if you've watched it very often, oh, yeah. but but Peyton just gets really pissed off at bad football, doesn't he? Oh, no doubt. He's, <laughs> look, he, he he holds everybody accountable. The head coach, all the coaches, all the players. Uh, you know he. He doesn't tolerate uh, poor performances for sure. He expects everybody's best every play, and uh, he has a way of getting that out of you. It's funny because I was talking about accountability off the top of the show, and it's not always easy to do. Was Peyton able to – because, I mean, I'm a a football nerd. I love what he was able to do on the field, and I understood how much of a coach he was on the field. But to hold others accountable might be the hardest thing to do in all of sports. Was he able to do that? Oh, definitely. And yeah. it's an art. You know, let's yeah. not forget, you know, in an NFL locker room, you get people from every walks of life known to man. And to be able to, you know, communicate and hold accountable all kind of people uh, is an art. And it's an art form, whether you're a coach or a player. Uh, you know, and you look around the league and guys that have, uh, uh, you know, achieved greatness. You know, they had that ability. I mean, sometimes it's rough and sometimes, you know, you put your arm around somebody, but uh, it, it is an art form and uh, Peyton Manning definitely had it. 
Okay, outside of accountability and being able to hold others accountable, uh, the craziest ability that Peyton Manning had? Well, it was just preparation and time management. I mean, the guy, uh, you know, he was, he was, you know, a veteran player, so you really have to spend a lot of time taking care of your body, uh, you know, as well as, you know, film review. Uh, uh, to give you an idea, Timmy, I had to hire another coach, okay, because typically in a week, you know, a week preparation, you do a four game breakdown on your opponent. Right. Well, four games wasn't enough. And so, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's a grind for yeah. all the assistants to yeah. go through all that. And everybody's got different responsibilities. But uh, as, as we went along, you know, Peyton wanted the whole season. So you could be game 14 and he expected all 14 games broken down. So, uh, and he's got the number two quarterback, the number three quarterback already working on it. Well, heck, I had to go hire a guy from the scouting department to come over and um, just work totally on game. That's amazing. Helping him break down film for the 13th game of that schedule. That's awesome. Uh, John, always great talking football with you. Thanks for stopping by and doing this today. My pleasure, Tim. You have a great one. You too. There is John Fox heading to Peyton Manning's Broncos Ring of Fame uh, honoring in Denver. Uh, Mickey. Yep. You are in for the picks. Kevin Mickey in for Jeffrey Rubinoff. If you're just joining us, you are in for the picks segment tomorrow. There is some pressure there. Were you taking notes while John Fox was speaking? Sorry, what was that? Who? Oh, John Fox. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, guy, the former, yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, head coach, guy, the former National Football League head coach. Yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. He had an AFC championship, NFC championship. I don't think there's any other guys that have done that. Yeah. He, he, so, yeah, you know, I was, I was listening. I think... Uh, <laughs> Do you feel any pressure, given the knowledge that the show currently, um, without your picks, is 18-6 and six against the spread? I feel more pressure internally than mm. externally, to be okay. honest. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's a good cliche from the pros. Yeah. It's coming from you. Mm-hmm. It's coming from our producers. Yeah. It's coming from my it other is, colleagues. It it's coming from all angles right yeah. now. So that's where I feel the most pressure to live up to the picks. Okay. Also, let me tell you something. Let me it, tell you something. Let me tell you something, brother. Yeah. It would be nice to make these picks and then also win just so I could have some extra money. That would also be nice. Right. So yeah. there's you know a little that bit helps. of pressure on myself as yeah. well, perhaps. Nice meal. A little pick-me-up. Right. Heading into the weekend. All right, uh, Mickey is around. He will take care of last call. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff, um, oh, probably a married man now. I think now. It's, it's happened. I think yeah. he, he might officially be married. Yeah. Uh, one last break, last call, Kevin Mickey, and uh, perhaps some marriage questions next right here Tim and Friends. It is time for Last Call. Kevin Mickey in for Jesse Rubinoff, who apparently is now a married man. And earlier in the show, Donovan Bennett was in the studio. Uh, Both Kevin Mickey and Donovan Bennett were wearing white hoodies. We made a little joke. They posed together. And the Tim and Friends account went on to Twitter and posted a picture of the two saying, Mm -hmm. name this duo. And for me, one of the best answers that named this duo came from Zeus Zinger who provided a picture of Magnum P.I. and his guy T.C. I, that's pretty damn good as a start. I'll tell you that much. That is pretty good. I, a lot I'm, of mustaches. I'm ha- I, I can roll one. I can bring well, it in. You got something right there. Like, I don't is that a, is that a? Just, just a little something that I just forgot to get off there. Okay. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it I don't know if it was. Kind of looks like a mustache, to be honest with you. But is it I could goatee? Go, I could go full, full stash that's if you good. wanted. Full handlebar. 
It is Movember. Like, yeah, it's coming Getting up. Damn close. Uh, some other responses. Donovan, after he left, jumped on Twitter, and he, he had a response for us, oh, yeah? one that I actually okay. enjoyed. Boys in the hoods. <laughs> nice. Very apropos. That works, yeah. Uh, and we were just talking about Jesse Rubinoff ahead of the break, a married man now. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there to be one of his groomsmen. And neither could Donovan, because Carolyn Cameron says that we look like his groomsmen. That's awesome. And I very much think that that may have been the case. Uh, Vinny, shout out Photoshop work. Two hood, put your hoodie on. <laughs> that was some quick Photoshop yeah, that's work, not too. not bad at all. Yeah, that's, cut it that's, out and everything. That's really strong. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite actors of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, so I'm happy to be in this. Although I might be Danny DeVito in this situation. <laughs> I know. I think you're a little bit taller. I'll okay. be honest here. I'll be, I'm happy to take the Arnold mantle then. I do, and then, I do think that uh, Donovan probably has the body, but uh, <laughs> you got the height. And then the last one that I that I enjoyed, of course. I got we got a few of these. Bert and Ernie. Yeah, Sid and I used to get that oftentimes. Classic. Well, then I'm honored to have the yeah. the honor I, now. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know. That's, those two are legends. Legends. Yeah. All right. If you're if you're if you're if your aim is to be famous, I understand. Not always my aim. If my aim is to be Bert or Ernie, I don't know. I, I could shoot for that, too. I'm happy shooting for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Timmy, did you know that the New York Post is reporting yesterday that the Toronto Blue Jays recently denied permission the New York Mets to interview the Jays' president, Mark Shapiro, uh, for their vacant president of baseball operations position, Shapiro. Not Shapiro. Shapiro. Shapiro just signed a five-year extension with the Jays this year. Uh... Are you confident with the Jays front office? Because obviously there's always the talk of Jays fans. And yeah, this longing. one is yeah. like... So are you happy that he's still here? I saw this posted. I saw this. Here's what happened. The New York Mets are a colossal disaster. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to throw out names that would make them not seem like a colossal disaster. So Shapiro's name comes out in this story. And a bunch of Jays fans go, oh, what happened here? Could he? And I'm like, listen, if they wanted to throw enough money at him, I'm sure... He would listen to it, and they don't need permission. They can work around, like, all of this stuff happens in places that we don't see. Agents can call. Agents can tell teams if a guy's actually interested, even if they're not given permission to speak. And then Shapiro goes back to Toronto and says, listen, Rogers, I love it around here, but you know what? I might want to bounce in the near future. Can mm-hmm. we figure something out? And they will. But what, what happened in this situation was the Mets suck. They have sucked for a while, and their front office is in utter shambles. So they're trying to throw out names. And if you look at the list of names that have said no to them already, it is exhaustive. So that's what happened here. And Shapiro's got Toronto in the right direction. And as long as he wants to stay, he will stay. And trust me, if he wants to leave, they'll find a way for him to leave. Anything Blue Jays fans should be looking at this in positive light. Because if the Mets are looking to hire the best and the Mets consider Shapiro the best, or at least they're leaking, then it's... The Mets need anybody. But why would you go to that job in that workplace, in that environment? It's just... its I mean, I know why. It's going to be a uh, tough winter for Mark Shapiro. Speaking of the finger thing means the money. Right. One of his big decisions this offseason will be how much money to throw at Marcus Simeon. And things may have gotten maybe more difficult for their team, depending on how you view this. Not only did the free agent get nominated for a gold glove at second base today, he has also hired Scott Boris to represent him, the Scott Boris Corporation. So, Scott Boris now representing... Simeon, what do you think? What, what, what are we thinking? Good news, yeah, bad it news? Used, it used to be bad news immediately for the Toronto Blue Jays when uh, someone would hire Scott Boris as their agent. 
Uh, I don't think that this is necessarily terrible news for the Jays. I think what this is is uh, the truth for Marcus Simeon. He's going to try and cash in, and I don't think anyone was under any other illusion. Um, what we had heard going into this was he still liked Toronto, mm -hmm. but he also preferred being home. When Mark Shapiro came on this show, he said sometimes not all things are equal. It's not just throwing money at a guy and you're good to go. Shapiro said sometimes there are other factors when I asked specifically about Simeon. Um, this is Boris saying, I would say that the Jays are really in an excellent position going forward. Uh, this was from July of 2020 um, when he uh, absolved the Jays of prior yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sins against the Boris Corporation. Uh, but uh, getting back to what we heard about Simeon is he might want to go home. He might want to be where his family is from. And for those who don't know, he and his wife are both from the Oakland area. So I wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco puts in an offer. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing for a California team next year. Jays fans need to get ready for that being part of the equation. Well, and we, back at playing shortstop. We Although put it, San Francisco's got a pretty good shortstop. Yeah, Brennan Crawford. Yeah. Uh, we put it out to uh, the folks at the Tim and Friends Twitter account asking, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of responses. A lot of responses, a lot of not-so-confident responses. So here's what we tweeted. Good thing or bad thing, Jace fans, that Semyon is now represented by Boris. It was a lot of this. He's out of here. Simeon, bye-bye. It was a lot of most likely never coming back anyways. This, this confirms he's gone. This isn't really Ryan Leaf, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Shout out one of the Chargers greats, Ryan Leaf. <laughs> uh, Boris players never seem to work out with the Jays. That seems to be a common thread amongst fans. They're thinking that it doesn't work out. We have seen that. That's maybe not the case, though, because we have guys like uh, Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, it was in the past. It they, was in the past, yeah, definitely. Boris didn't like Toronto. He said they didn't spend any money, and then they signed Ryu to a lot of money, and Boris was Denise. Boris. Denise was kind of thinking what we're all thinking. He's going to get huge bucks. We know that. Probably a record-breaking contract. We know that. Sadly, I doubt the Jays have the pockets. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true I don't either. think that's true either. We've seen them hand out massive deals in, success, in successive post-seasons, or uh, off-seasons. So it definitely could happen. And then finally... Uh, Jamie says that there is a 97.6 chance of failure with this I think, decision. I think people are, are relying on the past here too much. I think, like, did we not know that Marcus Simeon was going to want money this offseason? Like, he had one of the greatest seasons of any second. He had the greatest season the greatest. Of, a second be yeah. of a second baseman right now, hitting home runs. And in this, this time frame, he had the best year of any second baseman. He's hitting free agency. He's going to be getting a lot of money wherever he goes. And I think where, like you saw the man, he's the ultimate professional. He showed up, mm -hmm. he played 162 for this team. He's going to choose where he's going next year, and he'll write the ticket. And I don't think Boris or hiring Boris changes that in any way, shape. Sports fans of Toronto or national teams have seen it before, too. Kawhi Leonard wanted to go home. He went home. He went we saw it before. Oh, you brought up Kawhi Leonard. Sorry. Thanks for doing this. Back tomorrow? Yep. So are we. That does it for us. Bruins Canes on Sportsnet. Lots to watch. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.